0: Welcome in to OutKick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Tuesdays wherever you are across this great country or this great land. We have got a lot to dive into uh, and uh, and I appreciate all of you hanging out with us. So let's start right here. Um, Major League Baseball, a home run derby. I think the home run derby has eclipsed the slam dunk contest as the greatest all-star game event. I actually think the three-point contest is now more entertaining than than the dunk contest as well because basically everything that can be done in the dunk contest has been done and this is coming from a kid who grew up loving the NBA slam dunk contest but I think they've basically done it all and there isn't a lot more that can be impressive about a dunk but ESPN screwed up the home run derby last night. They cost Kyle Schwarber uh, his ability, cost Schwarber his ability to advance in his matchup against Pujols when they managed to not count one of his home runs, and then Juan Soto got credit for a home run that he hit after the clock had already expired. And so ESPN screws up everything, but they even screwed up the home run derby. And some of you out there are like, "Well, why is it, it a big deal?" Well, there's a big dollar prize. But the thing I care about more is a lot of people gamble on who's going to win the home run derby. And if people are gambling on who's going to win the home run derby, then literally the least you can do is actually manage to put forward the right rules and make the right rulings. This is not rocket science. You have a home run derby. You correctly count the number of home runs that were hit in a particular period of time. That's all you have to do. And so the fact that they managed to screw this up with both Schwarber and also with Juan Soto, Soto ends up winning it, but he might not have won it at all if they had actually implemented the correct policies. ESPN screws up everything. It's unbelievable to me that they can't even get this right. All right? Um, I talked about it. Wanted to reinforce it. Encourage you to go read my article. Everybody focusing on college athletics realignment, in particular college football because it's driving everything. Look, the battleground is not the Big 12 and the Pac-12 because comparatively speaking, I told you that I thought it made the most financial sense for the Big 12 to stay independent and for the Pac-12 to stay independent. The conference that is actually on the chopping block here, is the ACC. The ACC is the danger zone because it represents in some ways the nexus between the Big Ten and the SEC. All right, look. The two big dogs in college athletics are the SEC and the Big Ten. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. We know the Big Ten just expanded to add USC and UCLA. We know the SEC has recently expanded to add Oklahoma and Texas. What is going on at some point in the future is going to be a battle over the top ACC schools and what is or what is not going to happen there. And in particular, the battleground is going to be, and I've been writing this for a decade, North Carolina and Virginia. Those states are where the Big Ten is going to want to come down the East Coast and where the SEC is going to want to solidify its geographic Brand. So far, the Big Ten and the SEC have mostly stayed out of each other's spheres of influence. Uh, Missouri, I know, was maybe a school that was desired by the Big Ten. Uh, Maryland, a little bit close to the SEC region, but the Big Ten has wanted to get into Virginia and North Carolina for a long time, and the SEC has wanted to preserve its geographical integrity for a long time as well. And so... While everybody is focused on the Big 12 and the Pac-12, the real battleground going forward is going to be the ACC. Notre Dame has to make a decision about what conference it wants to be in. And then once Notre Dame makes that decision, then there is going to be a real battleground at some point. Could be next year. Could be 10 years from now over the future of the ACC schools. And the ACC schools want out of the ACC. They are making telephone calls to the Big Ten and the SEC. So are the Big 12 and the Pac-12 schools. Everybody recognizes that the future of college athletics is running through the SEC and the Big Ten. And so they want to be members of those schools. And so ultimately... The battleground, I really mean this, everybody's focused on the Big 12 and the Pac-12. What they should be focused on is what's going on in the ACC. Because University of Virginia, NC State, Virginia Tech, Virginia, all of those schools are going to have to make interesting decisions. Clemson, Florida State, also Georgia Tech, there is a lot of interest in ACC schools. And so the question is going to be, what happens when the Big Ten tries to come into the SEC region, who gets North Carolina, who gets University of Virginia, and what decisions do Virginia Tech and NC State also make as a result. This is where we are headed. SEC versus Big Ten for the schools in the ACC is where college athletics is headed. And I think if you are a UNC fan, if you are a University of Virginia fan, And you had to pick, would you rather be in the SEC or the Big Ten? It is a cultural, it is a political, it is a business-based decision that those schools are going to have to get involved in making. Same thing is going to happen then, Georgia Tech, Clemson, Florida State. The one wild card here is many of these colleges are not members of the AAU which is the top 65 basic universities out there in the country. And so if you look at those and try to break them down, that is something that can happen in a substantial way, all right? How exactly is all of that going to shake out is a real debate. The battleground for college athletics realignment is going to be in the ACC. And I think the ACC is going to cease to exist as a major conference whenever this plays out. Now, there's a grant of rights involved. It's possible that we're talking about this still being a decade away because the grant of rights runs through 35-36 next decade. But the ACC, nobody is talking about it. That is the next battleground. Not the Big 12. Not the Pac-12. The SEC and the Big Ten are going head-to-head in that region. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. Uh, Speaking of battles, Twitter versus Elon Musk. Uh, Court today in Delaware granted Twitter's request for an expedited court case. It is going to occur in October and it will be around five days to see whether or not there can be any compulsion of Elon Musk to buy Twitter. Now, What do we need to know about this story in general? First of all, let's look at the stock. If you'll remember, back when the stock was trading at $32.65, when Elon Musk walked away, I said, I think that they will end up coming to a new purchase price and it'll be somewhere below $54.20, but somewhere likely above $40 a share. In other words, Elon will get a discount, but I still think he will end up buying Twitter. Twitter stock went over $40 a share today. Uh, stock market, finally, having a really good day. Twitter is up close to $40 right now, right at $39.50 when I am checking these prices. Why does this matter? Well, well, a lot of people are agreeing with me now that there is going to be some form of settlement potentially or some people may believe that the Delaware Chancery Court is going to be willing to order specific performance and demand that Elon Musk actually pay $54.20 a share to legitimately buy this company. Now, will that end up happening? I have no idea. It's rare. Usually, you only get specific performance in situations like, let me give you an example, where you had agreed to buy a particular piece of land and land is so unique that if you weren't able to buy it the court is saying you can't get compensated for that so sometimes you get specific performance in cases such as those lacking that it's relatively rare although it has happened that one company is uh, or individual is forced to buy another company at a purchase price but some people may be gambling that 5420 is going to happen Regardless, what is likely to happen, I think, is most likely to happen, is a settlement of some sorts in which Elon Musk pays for part of the purchase price. Maybe you go to 42, maybe you go to 44, something in that neighborhood where he gets a discount off the 54.20, but still ends up buying it for substantially more than Twitter was trading for before he got involved in this process in the first place. Again, worth following where the stock price goes. And this is for the law students out there or people who are lawyers, kind of an unprecedented storyline to be able to follow. And we'll see exactly how all of it ends up shaking out. Couple more stories. Jim Harbaugh has weighed in on abortion. I didn't expect for anybody to aggressively weigh in on abortion, but Jim Harbaugh has done it. uh, And he says as follows, let me make sure that I read his quotes. Uh, have the courage to let the unborn be born here's what Jim Harbaugh said uh, I believe in having the courage to let the unborn be born. I love life I believe in having loving care and respect for life and death. My faith and my science are what derives the what drives these beliefs in me. Jim Harbaugh told that to people attending, the Plymouth Right to Life Dinner and Auction over the weekend. This is according to DetroitCatholic.com. We will see what the reaction is to Jim Harbaugh speaking out and sharing his own political beliefs. My expectation is that the same sports media that always argues, hey, we want everybody to share their political beliefs, speak out as much as you want, is going to absolutely rip Jim Harbaugh to shreds because he has a different opinion than they do on abortion. That's my prediction. My general belief is that every coach and every player has the right to advocate for any belief that they have anywhere out there in the larger universe of uh, political discourse. I'm not in favor of people doing it in uniform at games, what I've said for a long time, and I'm also in favor of content-neutral policies as it pertains to the sports media. In other words, if you are going to rip someone for sharing their political belief, don't praise them when they have a political belief that agrees with you. Be content-neutral. Allow them to have a forum. And that's what we never see, right? If you have left-wing political beliefs, You get praised to the high heavens by the sports media. If you have right-wing political beliefs, middle of the road, whatever it might be, you get ripped to shreds. We'll see what exactly happens with Harbaugh here. Uh, Finally, and this also involves sports to a certain extent, Gavin Newsom has spoken out on why he made the decision uh, to run an advertisement on July 4th in the state of Florida, criticizing the state of Florida, over freedom issues. The most locked down state in America, California, big state. Criticizing the least locked down big state in America seems like a strange argument to make in favor of freedom. But Gavin Newsom has come out and said, the reason why I decided to buy that ad in Florida and criticize Ron DeSantis, and then later call him a bully, was because DeSantis Uh, made it so that the Special Olympics was not allowed to require the COVID shot. Well, hold on. How in the world is Ron DeSantis fighting for everyone who wants to compete in the Special Olympics not to be required to have the COVID shot in any way wrong? The COVID shot doesn't really work. It isn't very effective. And kids overwhelmingly have already had COVID. So uh, uh, Gavin Newsom picked the wrong battleground and actually lost, lost this argument too because Ron DeSantis was in the right when it came to not requiring Special Olympic kids to get the COVID shot and more power to him for fighting that battle. All right, I love all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I got to run out for a couple of meetings. Uh, I will be back tomorrow. Appreciate all of you watching uh, Clay and Buck. We will have Riley Gaines on tomorrow. She is the University of Kentucky swimmer who has stood up to the idea of Leah Thomas, biological man, being NCAA Women's Athlete of the Year. We will discuss that and more with her tomorrow. Enjoy the All-Star Game. I believe that is tonight. I'm going to be watching it with my boys, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Thank you all.